0: Welcome to Midnight Menu Plus One. I'm Ray Kanata.
1: And I'm Margot Moss. Midnight Menu Plus One is part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's neworleans.com.
0: We've got another great show lined up for you tonight. And if you're hungry for more Midnight Menu Plus One, that we can dish out over the next 45 minutes. We have all kinds of extra stuff like recipes and guest gossip, sneak peeks into who's coming up next week, and much more on our website, itsneworleans.com. And while you're there, you can check out our blog, or you can sign up for our newsletter. You can follow us on all kinds of social media. That's itsneworleans.com, or just Google Midnight Menu Plus One or find us on our Facebook page.
1: Our show today is brought to us by Petite Pet Care. If you're going out of town, working late, or have a school or work schedule that keeps you away from your home and away from taking care of your pet, Petite Pet Care can help you out. The folks at Petite Pet Care understand that some pets are fine going to a kennel or doggy daycare, but others prefer the comfort of their own home. Petite Pet Care will take care of your cats, dogs, fish, birds, and chickens. They're insured- bonded, Red Cross Pet CPR, and first aid certified. But most importantly, they love animals. For loving care when you're not there, Petite Pet Care. You can find them at their website, PetitePetCare.com, or by calling 504-3009-PET.
0: You know, Margo, we should also thank Monkey Hill Bar on Magazine Street. Check out their happy hour weekdays from 3 to 8 p.m., 350 well drinks, a dollar off beer, wine, and signature cocktails, and tell them Ray and Margo sent you. Now each week on Midnight Menu Plus One, Margo and I invite a member of New Orleans restaurant and food community to join us, and we invite them to bring along their own mystery guest, a plus one. We never know who the plus one's gonna be. Sometimes it's a, a friend, a neighbor, family member, fellow restaurant colleague. Well, our special guest tonight at Midnight Me- Menu Plus One is uh, culinary writer and recipe developer Addie Martin of CulCurious Food Blog. Uh, before she gets here, Margot, I had a I had a pretty good food week. Uh, I went to um, I wanted to mention I went to La Boca for a friend's uh, bachelor uh, dinner. I was officiating at his at his wedding, and before that, we went to La Boca, and I uh, just ate and ate and ate. Had some great steak. I spent like one hundred and twenty dollars. It was worth every penny. Most of that was wine. But it was awesome. Great. Oh, it was just terrific. Love that place so much. I haven't been there in a few years. And then I went to a new place. Have you been to a uh, sandwich, you know, place? No. I've heard about
1: it, but I have not been. How was it?
0: Great. Uh, Based on the one sandwich I had, I loved it. I I got the Cuban, which was maybe the least expensive thing, I think, on the sandwich menu. And it was fantastic. So I'm assuming the the rest are even better or as good. It was terrific. And um, I'm going back there for sure. And then uh, I went to Crawfish Boil on Easter. And it's like my eighth crawfish boil this season. But I'm not getting sick of them. I haven't had a crawfish yet because I just like the vegetables, actually. You know? <laughs> but the vegetables have gotten more and more abundant in the nine years that I've been doing, that I've been going to these things, it, it seems to me. I don't know. If we, did you grow up with, like, artichokes and all this other stuff in your no. crawfish boils? Artichokes this is kind of new, is, right?
1: Well, it's new to me. I love it. I think they're but. making
0: them more and more sophisticated. You know, pineapple now, Brussels sprouts, you know, whole onions, all this stuff that's in there all the time. Big carrots, giant carrots in there, which I love. And But I was there, and it was a great mix of people. It was a bunch of rolling Elvi and doctors and just mixed people, uh, musicians. And then Tori McPhail of uh, Commanders was there, and Woody from Woody's Fish Taco we had on the show was there. And it's such a great mix of people, but uh, food was absolutely fantastic.
1: Wonderful. I uh, went to a new restaurant the day they opened. What was that? Milkfish.
0: Oh, how was it?
1: I had the appetizer sampler, and it was great. It was, um, I didn't really realize what I was eating, and I, I thought I would be upset, but it, it tasted so good.
0: Well, what was going to upset you about it? Well,
1: I couldn't figure out what one thing was, and it was a, a pig, t- fried pig tail.
0: Pig tail, okay. Yeah. I thought you were say like a, no, something else worse, No, I mean, works, it just, okay. no,
1: it, w- it just was a little okay. surprising when I figured out what it was. I don't know if i ever had a point. Was it curly? No, it was kind of nubby. Does it
0: straighten out when you when you fry it?
1: (laughs) I don't know. Aren't they all curly? Well, we'll we'll talk about it another time too, because I think our guests are here. Awesome. So, welcome, Addie. Welcome. Hi. Hi. How
0: are you? Glad you were here.
2: Ah, me too. Thank
1: you. Wow, and you've brought uh,
2: something beautiful. I brought snacks. It's actually devil pimento cheese in a little filo cup. Wow. I was just going to bring the devil pimento cheese, but then I was like, "Wait, let me kick that up a little bit and put it in a filo cup." Excellent. You know everything's fancier in a filo cup, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, is this uh something that you have come up with to uh
2: is that a
0: you, re- yeah. you developed this recipe?
2: Yes. I, well, I have the recipe for the deviled pimento cheese on my blog, but not in the cup. I just thought of that this week. So um, I may end up putting it up there.
0: This is a dumb question. What what, what constitutes deviled for um, pimento cheese? What makes it deviled?
2: S- usually deviled means spicy, but these aren't really spicy. What I have is a pic- um, pickles added to it, and instead of pimento, I use pepadew. So it's got a little bit more flavor. And there's some smoked paprika in there, which gives it a... Really nice kick.
1: Now, is this uh, pepidou? Mm-hmm. Is that, that's a type of pepper, yes. correct? Yes, yes. And is it
2: brine, little Brian peppers? You usually see them, in, uh, like, on the olive bar at, um, like, any grocery stores. They'll be the little peppers that oh. are hollowed out. They're bright red. Addie, I'm always mm. the first
0: one to eat. Oh, she beat me to it. Margo <laughs> beat me. I was going to say, because I, I can't focus on the interview as long as there's food in front of me until I start eating it, because I'm... I, food's more important to me than people sometimes I, I, and, uh, I understand
2: <laughs> I totally understand yeah. Yeah. that's really good I've been listening to the podcast I was like well I can't show 50 handed thank <laughs> you thank you
0: <laughs> let the record show we like all guests better when they bring food <laughs> I'm really important. Or,
2: or wine I figured <laughs> oh, that's yeah what I'm missing
1: <laughs> so I can't get a question in because I'm chewing that is, has a nice spice mm-hmm. a pep- mm-hmm. It's not overwhelming
0: Let me propose yeah. something, Margo Why don't you talk and I'll just eat <laughs> that, no, <laughs> no, you don't like that suggestion Okay
1: Now I'd like to know a little bit about uh, Where you're from Sure And uh, how it informed where you are today Okay, cool
2: um, I am originally from a small town called Golden Meadow It's in Lafouche Parish It's pretty much directly south of here just a tiny bit southwest so yes there is still some land down there um Mm -hmm. it's actually on the way to grand isle so if anyone's ever traveled to grand isle by car you have driven through my hometown because there's only one way um so my family is from you know golden meadow in that area my parents actually met they lived on the same street um so we um you know I lived there my whole life, essentially, and went to college in Thibodeau and went to the culinary school there. But, you know, we always grew up eating very, very well. My mom was an avid home cook. My dad um, also was very handy around, you know, the outside kitchen, which is, you know, barbecuing, boiling, grilling, you know, all that type of stuff. So uh, we just grew up eating really good food and you know, honestly, when I was younger, I didn't really think about cooking too much. Um, it wasn't really till I was in college when I started exploring that side of it. And um, when I happened to go to Nichols State University, where the mm. Chef John Falls Culinary Institute is. And I um, just kind of stumbled into there and was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And just... You know, really enjoyed culinary school a lot. Um, learning about cooking and food—that um, was really fun for me. Just the learning all the the science and the theory, and just the methods behind everything. Guess you know the why behind everything. So the culinary
0: school is part of, of Nickel State. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you get so you're like basically, uh, you're majoring in. Um, mm-hmm. sort of I, have, I have a ba- arts. Uh,
2: bachelor of science in culinary arts. They offer a bachelor's and an associates. So I, I chose to get the bachelor's. I was already a junior in college before I decided to switch over. So, <laughs> but yeah. So and it's a, and a part of the accredited university. So it was pretty cool that I was still able to use my scholarships and stuff to get that degree.
0: Yeah, there's not a lot of uh, places where you can get a BA in culinary arts. Right. Yeah.
2: It, uh, I don't think it's the only one, but I can't think of. I know there's some other, and I think it's a private school. I think they may be the only public. University. It's amazing, only only Louisiana. And
1: John yeah. Fols um, um, is does he he supports the program or yes. does and he actually when, teach or When I there was
2: there, he was teaching uh, one of the classes. Um, I'm not sure if he still does it because I know they have they now have Marcel Bienvenue on staff over there. So I don't know. If, he used to teach the history of Creole and Cajun cuisine. I don't know if she's taking that over for him because I know she teaches a class akin to that. So. But when I was there, that was I graduated in two thousand and two, so it's been quite a you know quite a few years. But when I was there, he actually taught the class that I was in, so he had a class there every semester. Um, was he inspiring to
1: you, and did you relate to what he was doing, or?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think so. You know, he, he's an interesting guy. If anybody's ever met him, you know, he's um, he's he's friendly, but he's kind of he can be a little. Uh, He's not afraid to tell you what he thinks, you know, and and which I guess you can appreciate. I actually worked for him too. Uh, I worked at the Lafitte's Landing at Bittersweet Plantation for like a year whenever I had first started going into culinary school. So I'd kind of known him before I had him as a teacher. But um, yeah, you know, he was always very nice to me and I learned a lot from him. You know, he's like a walking encyclopedia. So it's really, it was interesting to be able to just learn from somebody like that and have access, you know, and he really. I remember just being impressed with what I was learning in his class. You know, and he actually really challenged us not only in the kitchen but academically as well. We had like a huge term paper we had to do and, you know, so that was pretty interesting. Learned a lot about culinary research in that class, too. So many people
0: were in the program? Was it were there
2: Oh here? my. Uh, I don't know exactly, but there it was quite quite a, you know, they they were very limited on what they took like because they only allowed I think like 20 students and each cooking class so there may have been a lot more people in the program but they you know they offered you know so there might have been like 40 students you know because they did a, a morning and an evening version of like the the cooking classes especially the basic ones so you know there's maybe 40 new students going through it each time but you know there was probably over 200 total at any one point in the program I would imagine I'm sure now it's gotten even larger because I've seen I went actually interviewed uh Marcel Biamino for the, uh, the book that I'm working on, and uh, I went to the, the school's website and saw they had much more staff than they had when I was there, so uh-huh. it makes me think that the program's grown even more.
0: And you mentioned the book. Tell us a little bit about the book you're working on. Is this, you're hoping to have this out in the fall?
2: Oh, yes, it will be out in the fall. It's, we have to turn in the manuscript in July, so this is a it's a pretty done deal on a good finite schedule which I can tell us what it's sure uh, sure. about it's um, about southeastern food culture oh southeastern Louisiana food culture I'm sorry not just southeastern food culture (laughs) but so we're looking at um, the area so basically like Vermilion Bay east to the gulf south of the river slash I-10 essentially so we're just kind of basically the eastern side of Cajun country. We're not including the city of New Orleans because, you know, the food culture here is completely different than the rest of, you know, the state. So um, kind of looking at the more rural, pastoral ways. And we're looking at it especially through the fisheries. So with a focus on, you know, oysters, shrimp, crawfish, crabs, and fin fish and how that all feeds into the food culture. So about halfway through the writing process. Our final manuscripts due at the beginning of July. So, you know, got a, a good bit of time.
1: Okay. Well, speaking of the Cajun culture, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to get back to your uh, blog a little bit. Sure. So you grew up in, that's Cajun. Yes. Your family's Cajun, right? Yes. We're,
2: yeah, we're considered like the swamp Cajun, the coastal Cajuns, essentially, because down in, um, you know, Lafayette, those are more like prairie Cajuns, Uh. but we're like actually coastal Cajuns. You know, huh. and there unfortunately isn't very much swamp left where I'm from, but it, it's mostly you know salt marsh at this point. And you have a pretty
0: generic accent. Did you, did you lose that? Did you have an accent at
2: one point I that was more pronounced? Or? I don't think I ever really had a real deep one. I, neither somehow neither of my parents really have a very strong accent. I'm sure to an outside ear it, it probably seems stronger, but and then I haven't really I haven't lived there since 1997, so I think it's just sort of. Worn off, but I remember when I lit, you know, when I, like in junior high, this one guy he was like, You have an accent. And I was like, What are you talking about? He's like, You don't sound like you're from here. And I'm like, well, do
0: swamp uh, Cajuns have less of an accent or a different accent than prairie Cajuns?
2: Oh, probably, I would imagine, but they it's people I can barely understand, yeah. And guess, some people have very, very thick accents. It's more older people, I think the younger people, uh, it I don't know, TVs I think it's as much as you want yeah. to have it, too, uh, you know so
1: growing up um there um did you so your web your blog I'm Mm -hmm. sorry I was Mm -hmm. about to call it a website your blog because (laughs) it's not so (laughs) computer savvy your blog I noticed that um there's an emphasis on local Mm -hmm. and seasonal Mm -hmm. and um is that tie into how you grew up and I mean, is that important to you personally?
2: And how how did that
1: infl- yeah. come about into your blog? And
2: Absolutely. Um, I think that's come about, you know, I think we, we grew up living that way, not even really realizing mm. it, you know, and especially with eating seasonally with the seafood. And, um, you know, my dad is an avid gardener, so he always had all kinds of fresh seasonal vegetables. I still get, you know, twice a year when he's, like, doing his big, like, you know about to transition to the next garden he just loads us up with vegetables and sends us home with that which is always really nice and i always get a little bit throughout the year too but the local and seasonal i think that's just more come about it's not something i've always like lived by as an adult but in the last couple years it's something i've really come to embrace more you know i've gotten more involved with Holly Grove. i contribute to their newsletter every week and just you know thinking more about food and now working on uh you know the blog and food writing full time it just you know really got thinking about eating responsibly and eating seasonally and how that just made sense and how that was just you know in the end it ended up being very important to me and the more i thought about it and started doing it, it was like wow we can live like this and this is actually better for us better mm-hmm. you know it's cheaper in the end i mean i find you know so it's just something that I've grown to embrace through just practice and adoption. So when you
0: say responsibly, are you are you referring to uh, economically or health wise, or as a political statement, or what, um, what's the? Uh
2: Just, like, I don't just buy meat at the grocery store. Like, we'll either, like, buy it from Whole Foods or get it organic or buy it. Like, I like to buy as much as I can, like, at Hollygrove, whatever meats they stock. Sometimes I'll go to Cleaver & Company, like, if I need a roast or something like that. So just utilizing butchers, trying to eat local meat when I can. And if it's not local meat, then... you know making sure it's responsibly farmed or raised yeah, i mean i guess what i'm asking is like
0: mm-hmm. what's what's what constitutes responsible for you you're saying because it's the a, animal a like thing, animal welfare like, okay, you know making oh, so sure so that they the were treated, treated well okay, so yeah it's so not probably an ethical political thing too and huh? it's
2: partially too you know you have to be careful of the meat you buy at the store if it's just conventional meat that just comes from the grocery store it you don't know what it what it's been fed and I just you hear more and more you know I, I forget I'm sure it was on NPR but um, listening to they were talking about how farmers were getting desperate for feed for their cows so they were feeding them like old stale and expired cereal and stuff like that because cows mm. love sweet I mean who doesn't love sweet stuff the cows are yeah, the same way right. you know so they are just feeding them stuff like that and I was like that kind of really got me thinking like wow you know you are what your food eats so if I'm not careful uh. about what my food eats, you know, so, I mean, it's the kind of rabbit hole that if you start going down, there's, there's really no end to it, but, right, right. you know, just trying to do my part, and I really try to do the local meats too, one, to just support them, and two, just, it, I find it they're just better overall, smaller footprint, you know, yeah. so it's sort of, I don't know, I try, I try to just live, you know, responsibly, I guess it is maybe a little political, a little environmental, but I try to not make it about that, and just right. make it about it Well, your blog does small. not
1: feel... It does not feel to me. It's it's wonderful because it's recipes, and s- you're you're telling a story mm-hmm. a, about you know your your life mm-hmm. and food and but it's recipe focused mm-hmm. and it's really accessible. Good. Um, and I wanted to know how you transitioned from what you were doing before because we sure. we heard about college, mm-hmm. but then. Were you working in the culinary world? And um Yes,
2: yes. Actually, so I graduated, like I said, in 2002, and I had worked in a couple of restaurants then, and then I was fortunate enough right after college to get an internship. I actually lived in Columbus, Ohio for a couple years right after what? college. Yes, yes. I was dating someone at the time um, who, interestingly enough, now he's the chef at Restaurant August. So Oh, wow. I don't want to take credit for his success because he's awesome, <laughs> but, you know. But did you bring
0: him to New Orleans? <laughs> yes, all right we came here together good good job yeah
2: yeah but i was like you should go work for john bash he's like yeah that's probably a good idea i was like yeah (laughs) (laughs) but anyway so um yeah so i was in columbus ohio for a couple years was a banquet manager at a country club um then came to new orleans so i've been in new orleans for 10 years now um, all right and i kind of worked in restaurants at first um mostly in management mostly front of the house too but then like of course like after Katrina restaurants were really tough to work in and I was getting ready to finish grad school so I was like I'm ready for a change so I actually made a huge change and went into working in advertising and I worked at Peter Mayer advertising Uh, for almost six years Um, but what was interesting about that I worked in account service at first but then I got into um, online advertising which I really liked and thought was interesting so I learned a lot about the internet and internet advertising marketing and just how websites work just because not that that was part of my job but just you're in these team meetings and you hear you just get exposed to the information Um, and somewhere along the line I started my blog just as a you know way to stay connected to food and recipes and I think you know thinking back on how did I get into local and stuff I think when Holly Grove opened you know I know they had farmers markets before but you know when they had their the box when that came out that was just kind of really new for here and we were all excited about it so you know my husband and i who wasn't my husband at the time we like you know when they started doing that we started getting that every week and when i look back on some of my older recipes i was like wow i really was at first cooking really seasonally because we would get that food every week and i had to cook and that's Uh. mostly what we ate and so that's when earlier this year i refined the focus back on the blog no actually that was last year i'm sorry um to be the seasonal, to be the local. It's just to be doing something different because for a little while I was just like a regular recipe blog and I was like, "What? there's nothing really different about what I'm doing, but I can focus on, there's not a ton of blogs out there doing local seasonal food, so that's mm-hmm. when I tried to like refine my focus back on that angle. So for about the last year now, I've really been focusing on that and then since the new year, I've really been focusing on the food culture aspect too, so not just a recipe, but A recipe and a story about why the recipe or the food item is relevant to me or just relevant to a larger society if it's something that like you know like I did um, a green papaya salad earlier this year and I didn't really have any experience with that before but I researched the recipe and what usually goes into them and kind of made up my own recipe you know based on that so I do like to explore other cultures too because it's a good way to learn about that kind of stuff
0: Now, can you make a living from this? Are you getting advertising, or what do you...
2: Yeah, I get... Um, you can. Um, I'm, I'm slowly working to that point. Um, but I got, you know... It, it's my nice second income, let's put it that way, <laughs> <laughs> at this point. But, yeah, I mean, if I were a little bit more aggressive... The book has sort of slowed me down on um, endeavoring more into more commercial pursuits with the blog. The blog's actually taken a back burner at this point, just because the book is and now at the point where it's less than three months to being due. So... Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. we, we do well with that, and, um, you know, um, it, it's a work in progress, I'll say. It's not the easiest thing to monetize, but uh, uh. It, it's happening.
0: All right. Well, your plus one is here. Why don't you introduce him uh, for us and tell us why you selected him and who yeah. he is to you and all okay. that.
2: Okay. All right. Uh, I have brought today with me my husband, Jeremy Martin, and he's significant for a number of reasons. But uh, the mm-hmm. main reason that's relevant here is because he's my co-author on the book. We're actually writing the book together
0: right that's right yeah,
2: yeah. So, um, so what's the
0: title have you told us the title of your book yet
2: is that oh, that's, that's a, still that's, a work in progress
0: It's a ah. tricky question because <laughs> what I'm
3: learning We're, about book authorship is that uh the the title is not only your decision as the author but it's also vetted through a number of people in the publishing side of the of the yeah. uh business. So, we're we're still working on the title. We're yes.
2: working back and forth because we had a great idea for the title, and they're like, "Oh no, we need this to be." You know, they have a lot of. We're working with the History Press, and they have a lot of specific requirements for their titles for their books. So,
3: but we're looking at a title that will both alert the reader to the importance of the food traditions and the region that we're working in, and uh, maybe be a little little capturing. Mm-hmm. In well, itself too y- as well. we can
0: ask our uh, listeners to send you in suggestions <laughs> if it's still open, yeah
1: sure yeah <laughs> now let me ask you all do do you did you come up together with this idea mm. and do you pitch it to somebody, or did they reach out to you and say we want you to they do actually
2: reached out to me because of my blog and they asked me to pitch them a book idea Wow, yeah, that' was
1: got to be very
2: affirming of what you're mm -hmm. doing and I hadn't really thought about it before I knew I had decided already I knew I didn't want to write a cookbook you know because even though I develop recipes I'm just like I don't feel my forte is necessarily in coming up with you know crazy cool creative recipe ideas you know I I, that's you know that's part of what I do but that's not the main thing and for me a cookbook that's what a cookbook is but I was like you know I'd be interested maybe in writing a you know a written book and and more you know topical focus and um so i was trying to come up with ideas and brainstorm and then i we finally came to something about southeast louisiana food culture and i was like you know i was kind of nervous about tackling it on my own because jeremy is also a re, you know a writer he's very talented and i was like oh. i'd feel much better if you were doing this with me and so we were like let's see if she'll take a dual authorship you know and sure. so split I split
3: the work up you know yeah, yeah. i talked and, to, So what's your background? What did you uh, you Oh, I have no writing background. It's always been a hobby of mine. And uh, I'm actually trained as a structural engineer. I have my master's degree in structural engineering. That's what I do all day. But when I get home at night, I write. Wow. uh, So really, if it was one of the, they always say, you know, what would you do if money wasn't an object? You know, I would write. Mm-hmm. But the money's too good in structural engineering. <laughs> what, what do you what do you write at night? Do you write
0: poetry? You're writing nonfiction? what do you what do you do? Yes,
3: all of the above. What, oh. whatever he's, I feel.
2: he's I, good at everything.
1: huh. So uh, how has this caused any tension in your in your marriage to colli- uh, writing and and writing together is a different mm-hmm. thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, have you all had any, uh, I don't,
2: I don't no. mean to cause no, no, no. it no. on air. No, but no don't
0: we, we haven't. We no, actually, I'd like to see a reenactment
3: <laughs> of a fight if you could, please.
2: No, we're <laughs> actually pretty good because we've discovered that we have complementary skill sets.
3: Yeah, that's exactly oh. what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. So, you know, there's some sections he'll write and I'll edit. There's other sections I'll write and he edits. And
3: She's much better at the research side of things. And uh, if... if I'm a good writer if somebody can take the material and give it to me and say distill this into something that's enjoyable to read. Mm-hmm. I hate researching. I've done it. Mm-hmm. It's mind numbing and it just <laughs> it it doesn't it doesn't activate the parts of my brain that I enjoy being activated. And Addie is is great. She's methodical, she's thorough. You know, she's very good at the research, and mm-hmm. so that's what we mean when we say complementary skills. And mm-hmm.
2: I can devote eighty percent of my work week to the book right now, so it, that helps too. It it just made more sense. You know, it not only did it coincide with our strengths, but it just the way the time breaks up. So I do a lot of the research and distilling, and I'll I'll write some basic text, and I'll be like, can you finesse this or take these, you know, five tiny paragraphs and turn this into a thousand words? So. Um, yeah, we're finding we work together well, which is, and we're excited about this book because eventually we'd like to do more culture writing, and, and this will help give us both legitimacy as writers and, and be a good you know, springing board off of, um, you know, into that direction. I, I, when they approached me with the book at first, you know, it was a part of me that kind of didn't want to do it because I realized what a huge project it was, but, you know, he really encouraged me to do it, and I'm really glad that we did. And, with, again, with his help, it's been just... It's nice to know I'm not alone in it. You know, I mm-hmm. think it would be a lot scarier if it's like, this is all me. And I wouldn't
3: want to do it alone. Mm.
2: No. So uh, how did y'all meet? Are you from the same
1: area? As I I was Addie?
3: born in New Orleans, but when I was uh, 10, I moved with my family to upstate New York mm. and lived there till I was 18. And then I went around searching for colleges and New Orleans coming home was one of my was, was a big check in the column of Tulane. And so I got a big old scholarship to Tulane. And then that became another check in the column of Tulane. And mm-hmm. so I went there, I was one of the last graduates of the Tulane civil engineering program before they shut it off, uh, shut it down after Katrina. Yeah. So, uh, but, uh, I consider myself a new Orleanian, even though I failed the high school test.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, but we, we actually met on, uh, on Twitter. Yeah, of that's all how we
2: first became acquainted. Yeah, yeah. Just five Who was following who? What do you mean? Uh, what? What? what
3: uh, yeah, I don't know. How do know people meet up? I've yeah, never met anyone on Twitter. On, yeah. Well, we so, weren't well. looking for each other no, on Twitter. No, no, no. And this we was just,
2: back in 2009 when there weren't as many people on, but um, it was kind of nice to get to know local. The local people that were on it were pretty cool, and I, I don't, I think I must have followed him because I would just at that time I was following anybody that was local that I saw on Twitter that seemed pretty interesting i'd just huh. follow you know because just okay. to try to get to know more local people and you know if somebody you know i had a couple duds like i'd follow people and be like oh that person's not interesting i was whatever,
3: apparently very close to being a dud yeah <laughs> i would try to talk to him
2: and he would never talk back to me and he didn't have a picture of himself up so i had no idea what he looked like but he seemed interesting so i was like oh i just kind of want to talk to this guy you know and i'd comment on something and he wouldn't talk back and i was like I'm about to unfollow him that's why is he not talking to me <laughs> you know and um one day I invited him down to Wednesdays at the square cuz we had just oh. all our friends we would all go every week and just be. and so I saw he was having a hard day at work so I was like you should come meet me and my friends at the square you know cuz I was really curious at this point I was like what is up with this guy you know he seems interesting but um, and then we met and just kind of started dating from there and got married like oh, not even 2 years later so Oh
0: do you look like his Twitter picture? Do you have a Twitter picture? He didn't have he I do now. Have, yeah, he do now, now he
2: does but he was just had a um picture of some the uh th- was that a rock cairn? No. A what? Yeah, oh,
3: okay. it may have been a cairn or the flag. What's flags. a cairn? A cairn is um it's a stack of rocks you use to mark a trail. Oh, that's hiking. like oh. a that's like a
0: Scottish thing, isn't it? Well, you know? it's
3: it's used all over the world. Yeah, so yeah but I mean the word is I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's probably it's not an English word. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, so when you go on trails that are a little less marked like people put up these little stacks of it's rocks like a signal that yeah, there's like here, another trail. The trail it's goes. the path yeah because yeah. sometimes yeah. you get on these Marks trails the and they're not very well defined and I mean I've never done any that are too difficult but so
1: were you really are you really outdoorsy or was that just I wish I was you
3: <laughs> know we strive I've to be we we would love to be I've I've often said that if I could change anything about New Orleans it would be to plunk a mountain range down on the north shore. <laughs> mm. Because I love to be outside. I love the mountains. I mm-hmm. uh, I love the wilderness. But the problem is the nearest wilderness is 14 hours away, you know. Yeah. But we travel 14 hours. Really? To real wilderness. Yeah. yeah we real? like to go to Big Bend. We like to go to Big Bend Not in southeast Texas and the, oh. the Smokies are a little crowded. Oh. Yeah. But uh, we love to do that. We do it, you know, whenever we get a chance, we go out and just hike up into the mountains for a couple days. We did hike
2: 25 miles on our uh, honeymoon. That (laughs) does not sound like a honeymoon to me.
3: I'm
1: projecting, but hiking 25 miles? We did it over three
2: days.
3: We did 12 (laughs) in one day. Wow, it oh, was okay. it was the most that was a team building exercise, bonding, team building yeah. bonding exercise you can imagine. Well, Did we,
2: y'all train for that? Yes. Or you just oh, yes. Oh, yeah. oh yes. Oh yes. We trained here in the all city. Kinds of terrible places, I know. So I'm
3: thinking about
0: this. We, yeah. I don't, we, how to, I don't know how to phrase this. So I'll, I'll just. We
2: listen. were <laughs> weekly walking ten. 10 to 12 miles around the city so every like Saturday for the two months leading up while you were planning your being married Mm -hmm. you were focusing on walking and
1: training training. for the honeymoon yeah so we were
2: we only had the flat land around here so we would just walk we would do the distance so it's like okay and then at the end I think we did a couple walks with packs like just something on so we could get acclimated because we knew it was going to be you know a challenge Listen, it wasn't who
1: enough. needs counseling like pre-marriage <laughs> don't you do don't yeah, yeah. people do that in i did church? three
0: weddings this last week yeah. but
1: but <laughs> who needs that when you're like you're like training i mean if you yeah. can it was fun do something you were too tired like to fight after that
0: Well, and thankfully we but got you're married. too tired for other stuff i would think yeah. too that's yeah, like yeah, it was kind what of are a, you doing uh, yeah Main,
3: mainly walking and sleeping
0: yeah. walking and sleeping That that. yeah okay
2: yeah, well, yeah.
1: In on a the beautiful hike environment. Oh it yeah, was it was really it nice. romantic it was to wonderful. me. Where, where are you getting at? Are you, uh, what do you no think energy I'm for? At? A, was, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, <laughs> not <laughs> while you're hiking. That's just,
3: it's, it's, it's And like <laughs> you're all nasty anyway. You don't want to get. Well, it sounds we have it a once smug. Smug. again, that sounds like the worst you've <laughs> ever heard of. <laughs> no, <laughs> no <laughs> to well, to be if you
1: can get along together doing that, exactly. Growing old and being, you know, if you can have a good. Yeah, and, it was romp great. In the, and and what if you don't? What if you don't? I mean, well,
3: then you really know immediately. Well, that's yeah. true. You can get it annulled. Yeah, yeah you but get <laughs> that out of the way real quick. <laughs> that's a quick. good point. Within a week, yeah, we had done that
0: Excellent point. Yeah, Most divorces are in year seven. You you could get it over in day exactly. seven. Exactly. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and and the great part was, uh, coming out of the Grand Canyon, mile twenty five, we're hiking right out, and it, it was. We woke up that morning in Indian Gardens, and it was seventy degrees. We get to the top rim of the Grand Canyon, and it starts snowing. And we're soaked with April. sweat. It's early April. We're soaked with sweat. And the temperature has just plummeted below freezing. And we, we managed to to the car. story gets worse and worse. <laughs> it's getting better. It's getting better. And oh. we warm up in the car. And oh, there we, we go. And we get a cabin at the top rim. And we end up getting snowed in for two days at the Grand Canyon with nothing to do. All right. Now that's oh. a honeymoon. It was wonderful. It was, it was wonderful. And that, <laughs> see, it, it all balances out. Yeah. <laughs> the
2: post-hike burger was the best. The
3: post-hike burger, yes. Nice. <laughs> They have good food so. up there? Oh, they, yeah. They have, National park uh, food. Yeah. You know? And oh. it, they
2: have a few, uh, there's at least three restaurants up on the uh, yeah. South Rim. Wow. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, you're not picky after that. So, the st- <laughs> yeah, the
3: strenuousness of the hike was immediately balanced by the following two days of nothing to do because mm-hmm. the road uh, that heads north from Flagstaff was snowed over. There was no getting out. Now, how long ago was this?
2: Three years. Three we years. We just had yeah. our second anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Uh, no, third. Third, okay. <laughs> Three <laughs> years. We just had our second anniversary. Sorry.
1: Okay, I see something peeking out of your pocket here. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just what, what? What? Can you open that up and tell us what...
3: Uh, oh,
0: it's got a rubber band around it.
3: Yeah, it's what? a great... There's a great notebook shop on Royal Street called Papier Plume.
0: Oh, I know the place, yeah. I yep. love that place. Yeah, I yeah. go
3: in there and I spend... More money. They walk in, I walk in and the little dollar signs pop up in their eyes. And
1: And you have that because something may come to you in general? Yeah,
3: I always try and write down. And I used to keep notes on my phone, but I was too prone to deleting them when they were digital. And Mm -hmm. once you put them on paper... Once, once you kind of commit it to the, I'm not going to throw the whole note All right. Why don't you away. read
0: us what you wrote today? What do you, what do you I got? didn't write anything today. Ah, it's all, it's all for effect. No, it's not.
3: The, <laughs> uh, the last thing I was writing, writing is, uh, I was working on our, our, book is divided. The informational sections are divided by vignettes that describe the feeling and process of writing the book in Southeast Louisiana. Huh. And so I wrote a section uh, at a crawfish boil on Good Friday and that was the last thing I had writ- written in here. So, Were huh. you
1: in South Louisiana
2: at the crawfish boil? Yes, it was at
3: her sister's house. Mm-hmm. Um, just and
2: this past Friday at my sister's.
3: Her, her brother-in-law could boil a brick, and it would be delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so. He's pretty good. He's, he's pretty good, so I, I was working on that, and that, that's what the last few pages are populated with here. Yeah, because so. we knew
2: we wanted to write something about a crawfish boil, and I was like, oh, Good Friday's coming up. I was like, you can probably just... Let's do that and yeah, get yeah. some thought, some fresh thoughts and ideas, you know. And, and we were pretty happy with how it turned out. So has
1: writing, uh, with a goal mm-hmm. um, of wh- whether it's the book or your blog, has that uh, gotten y'all to have more experiences than you would normally have, and and analyze it in a different way, or?
2: Yes, I think that the second part is. Yeah. I think we now look. We can get more out of what we do, which is interesting because you you, you're looking at it in a different lens and, and thinking more about it.
3: That's true. I, I think uh, we're avid travelers, and one of the big lessons of travel, the hardest lesson to learn about travel is that to a certain extent you're always traveling, even when you're home. And writing this book has taught us to look at our home through the lens of travel. And writing this book has sort of taught us that we need to look at the things around us like they are new and like we need to describe them to other people, like we need to document them. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's really the greatest thing the book has brought me, or us, so far, is just this sort of
2: being in the moment and present and being present and and appreciating
3: appreciating it yes Yes. Uh,
2: yeah getting an appreciation for just the familiar I'm learning so much more about my culture like where I'm from you know than I'd really ever realized you know Mm. just in the research and reading other people's analysis on it and then just getting facts and tidbits and interviewing people and then formulating my own thoughts about it it's been quite interesting you know I hadn't I'm really appreciating it more and more because when you Get, have that feeling of like, oh, I just come from a small town, and you know, you know there's not there's like one grocery store in my hometown. I don't even, you know, maybe two gas stations. So it's it's it can seem small and you just it, and kind of insignificant. But the more perspective you get on that later in life, it, it you really come or I've come to value that and yeah. really see the the beauty in all of it.
3: I think that book, that writing this book is teaching us that those small towns are very important, and mm. they're very, very valuable. Yeah, mm. There's things preserved in those towns that can teach us all lessons mm-hmm. uh, going forward, and that's the part of the book we're working on right now is, where does Southeast Louisiana go from here? Mm. Mm-hmm. What, what do we think the future holds for Southeast <laughs> Louisiana? And it's easy to be bleak because we have land loss and oil spills and hurricanes and political strife and all these things imported shrimp and imported <laughs> yeah, shrimp yeah,
0: Right. And oh and the co- monoculture invading and, and local culture being over I'm sure you got Applebee's wanting to get into Golden Meadows well, or whatever they're in Houma right now they haven't oh, gotten further uh, I'm than I'm so Homa. sorry to hear it no, well, now we're going to sue Applebee's but, uh, whatever but
3: but I think that it's what we've learned is that the way going forward is, is actually hidden in those small little enclaves yeah. and that there's there's I don't want to call them secrets because they're not kept, uh. but there's hints of the future in in these places. Well,
0: mysteries being unfolded. Yes. Yeah.
1: And you can um, document it and and help like you're appreciating those things and help others
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, see that and m- continue it ra- and celebrate what mm-hmm. is there rather I like than the just word foc- celebrate. Focusing yeah. on give us something to celebrate
0: about. Um, about one town and in. it
1: could be an experience with a yeah. person you meet and to mm-hmm. me that would be interesting right. you know to
3: oh well we met yeah. uh we had a great interview with the owners of a uh shrimp shed that's outside of the levee protection system south of golden meadow yeah it's called the seafood it's called the seafood shed, the seafood shed. Mm. and uh very we, creative name yeah it works everybody <laughs> knows the seafood <laughs> shed you you it's ask very where clear, the seafood shed right? is everybody knows right. and uh in the course of our talking, we managed to drink a couple bottles of wine. And yeah,
2: this was at their kitchen table, at
3: their kitchen table. And uh, he was
2: very insistent we take the wine.
3: Yeah. I, and it doesn't take much to convince me to drink some wine. And he just told us about how the seafood shed came into being. And like many things in life, it was a story of happenstance and taking advantage of opportunities and then working your tail off mm-hmm. to get it done. And I think that uh, the Bones mm-hmm. really embodied Southeast Louisiana. They they really you know they they do what they love. They're in the food. They're in the culture. They're in the industry. Mm. But they're not getting their paycheck from out of state. They're working for their paycheck yeah. from in state. From from they're getting their paycheck from people who buy shrimp from them and they're paying shrimpers and Mm. they're they're right in the middle of everything and Mm -hmm. i i think that interview more than it you know uh mr george was moved to tears a couple times telling us stories and we had to go off the record three or four times so he could tell more stories (laughs) it was really an enjoyable time and and i one of the things I learned from that is tell people you're writing a book because you can get all kinds of great, interesting <laughs> stuff from them. You yeah, know? everybody loves uh, to talk. Once, yeah, everybody they, once lo- they know oh, you're listening,
2: yeah, people just are happy to... And
3: know. I think I'm writing a book is code for I'm interested in what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Huh.
2: Mm-hmm. So. Well, that sounds beautiful.
1: Huh. Um, We've come to a point in our show where um, we ask you a question off. It's called Off the Menu. Nice. And... Um,
0: these are questions you didn't get in your final exams in the uh, culinary school.
2: Yeah. Excellent.
1: So, uh, Addie, would you be willing to have horrible, nightmarish food for a year if it meant you would re- be rewarded with extraordinary wealth?
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> She's being honest. If I can survive. Yes <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't kill you, how nightmarish
0: What would that nightmarish food look like? What's the most oh, nightmarish geez. food you can think of?
1: It
3: Frozen causes entrees. entrees.
2: Frozen entrees that's nightmarish to you. Yeah yeah. I don't that know what else? I, bad home cooking uh, I don't know. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Frozen <laughs> casseroles that are old and yeah
2: all right yeah, basically Some anything
0: moves. in the freezer section in, the, in a chain big chain grocery store me is off limits. I don't think I've ever bought anything in the last six or eight years. Okay, yeah, I have you,
1: to admit, and yeah. y'all can tell me... oh Margo, don't do it. No, no, no. I've never Come eaten on, we're frozen on the air. food. I never, we're being recorded. I didn't grow up eating frozen dinners or anything. Mm-hmm. I have no experience with that. But I have to admit, I have found... Oh, brother. Now that I'm a mom, there are some... frozen I've ne- Oh, It's not bad. Okay. Like Whole Foods and... <laughs> Trader Joe's and places like that have some really good frozen meals, and the vegetable. Okay, y'all can tell me if you've ever heard this, but vegetables that are frozen mm-hmm. can retain their freshness more than sitting in the counter at Whole Foods for. That's
0: exactly too what long. the Jolly Green Giant or whatever it is. Wants no preservative. No
2: yeah. preservatives. Frozen vegetables preservative are preservative free. You know,
0: Monsanto? Did they did they <laughs> implant that in your head?
1: <laughs> GMO free, yeah. preservative free. Yeah, organic frozen
2: vegetables are actually good for you because they usually pick frozen vegetables at the height of their um, ripeness and freshness. So frozen vegetables are not—they're definitely better than canned for Thank
1: you. Thank you. Did you hear that?
2: She's being polite, I'm, and I don't eat canned food.
1: Polite. No, I I don't. Well, I, I learned all this. Food. I've
2: been doing some volunteer work with Second Harvest, and I uh, would do something called. Um, cooking matters at the store where you take people around the grocery store and you teach them how to shop. And that's one of the things we talk about is fresh versus canned versus frozen. And, you know, some people only have certain options. So talking them through those options and and what and when it makes the most sense to to buy each item so it's now what is that
1: through what what program um, is that? second
2: harvest and okay. they have that's something great. called cooking matters which is a larger that's actually that's something i'll be doing later this year they have a six-week courses where you actually teach it are for you know underprivileged and underserved people you know mostly adults they do have some kids stuff um to teach them how to cook and they teach them around a kitchen and a grocery store and those are like for six weeks it's like a two or three hours a week, you know, on a single night. And then they have a smaller program called Cooking Matters at the store where you actually meet them in the grocery store. And you walk, you know, you have a group of about eight people and you walk them through the grocery store and you just walk through the produce section, the dairy, the frozen, the bread aisle, and sho- you know, teaching like how to read labels and how to do unit pricing and, you know, uh, what like about the meats and which meats are healthier. And so really so just awesome. teaching people how to shop because – you know you just take for granted sometimes that you know how to your way around a grocery store and how to shop and how to make good choices But a lot of people just you know don't have that information so that's been kind of fun for me to do
1: excellent now i i thought are you doing something with uh or is uh
2: i'm a member of their csa so what is that that the the, uh, community supported agriculture is what it stands for but so they basically actually okay so to go back, I won a contest with Stonyfield, the the yogurt people. Yeah. Um, they were giving away a $500 CSA, and this is like a blogger contest. So I was just in a competition with other bloggers, and I made an apple pie smoothie, which is actually very healthy. Um, and yeah, it I, that won. Delicious. Yeah, that won the contest, and so I got $500 to spend on a CSA. So what, how they traditionally work is that you know you work with a farmer or a farm, or you know, so Grodets the it's a youth farm where you know youth, high school age children. You know, I guess they're not children at that point. But, you know, the high school age kids help with the farm and stuff like that. And it's in City Park, correct? Yes. And I'm actually going tour tomorrow. I'm really excited because I'm going to write something on my blog about it. But um, so you pay a fee up front, and then for a certain number of weeks, you just get a share. You buy a share. So you don't really know what you're getting, and you buy in before. I mean, they they sort of give us a general idea of what to expect. But so you're basically paying at the beginning, and I got in, thankfully, with the – sponsorship level i got i got it at the highest level so not only are we getting our produce but we're also supporting one of the kids through you know part of the share of our payment goes to like supporting one of the kids educations which is really cool awesome so yeah yeah so in they don't really do csa's around here but in like the northeast i know they're really popular california Mm. people just i think we more just do regular farmer's market around here i don't know Mm. that the csa is really like because I had trouble finding one at first, I, mm. I happened to see it on Twitter.
3: We've had a great experience with it so yeah. far, and oh yeah, we uh, eat a lot of salad. We've been eating a lot of salad, a lot of vegetables. It's good though, because we love salad. Oh, yeah. I, I like. <laughs> well, I, I've grown uh, since I've met Annie. I've grown to really love vegetables. All oh, right. I I never hated them, but now I I realize that my diet should be mostly vegetables. Huh. <laughs> you know.
0: Well, we let jeremy off the hook. we never asked him uh oh, a question
3: okay. yeah so he we got and one.
0: we're running out of time quickly okay, here, uh-oh. so we gotta I think we gotta ask you a question okay so uh if you were uh stuck on a desert island or maybe i don't know on top of a mountain peak by your- you're trapped up in the cabin for two days okay. uh in the snow on your honeymoon what would what would be the one food and you only had one food item to choose what would that be what would be your favorite thing to have with you for two days cheese cheese any kind of cheese any kind of cheese
3: I actually have I actually have an embarrassing penchant for cheap cheeses. Really, <laughs> I mean <laughs> I I love expensive <laughs> cheeses, but like the, cheese but whiz? No, not that cheap. <laughs> not velvety cheese food? Cheese whiz, but <laughs> but no, no, nothing but <laughs> food after cheese. But you know, you go to the store and no, it's, no it's no the shame two for that. three dollar cheddar. slots. No. No, that's oh. great. The store yeah, brand yeah. pepper jack. Store is brand, brand. Oh, that's amazing! I love that best. stuff. That's great. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's what I would choose. That that's an easy one. Oh, that's good. I thought I was all ready for something hard.
0: Well, I think we're out of time. Are we not? Yes, unfortunately. Oh, that went by so quickly. It's, but thank uh, you.
1: Before we go, can y'all um, will you please tell our listeners uh, your web address? Sure. And sure. Uh, you can also add any uh, thing you want to promote and we will also have on our website uh, information for them to
2: access. Absolutely. So um, my site is CullyCurious.com. That's C-U-L-I-C-U-R-I-O-U-S. Same handle for Twitter. My Facebook page is also the same name. Um, Also have Pinterest, Instagram, all that in the same Cully Curious name. If you're interested in following me personally, I'm Addie K. Martin on Facebook and Twitter. Um, our book, I'm really bad and don't have any promotional material uh-huh. for it yet. But on my blog, I will eventually have a page for it. Um, I figured it wasn't smart to do pre-sales until the book was actually turned. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much where I live.
0: Well, make um, sure that you send us, uh, you know, when, when the book comes out, make sure you, in a few months, make sure you send us some information. We'll, we'll post updates on our cool. on our. Uh, be I'll send you all a copy well. of it too. Oh, love that.
1: Thank you so um, much, Jeremy and Addie, you. for coming yeah. tonight. Can we thank give Jeremy you. a plug? Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely.
2: He's, got, um, he's Restless Lens on uh, Twitter. Oh. And then he has a blog called restlesslens.me where you can um, keep up with all his writing. Restless
1: Linens like lens. 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 L-E-N-S. I'm, I'm so sorry, sorry.
2: <laughs> Restless
3: Linens would be a totally different blog <laughs> I'm sorry huh. I was still stuck on the honeymoon yeah, right. <laughs> no, for <the> Like <laughs> <lake laughs>
2: photography um, And we also lens. have a travel blog Called so culturecurious.net That we're slowly getting off the ground
3: all right. The goal is to build an empire of curious <laughs> websites. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: What, what else think. are you curious about? Okay. Uh, well, once again, our special guest tonight at Midnight Menu Plus One was Addie Martin, and Addie's Plus One was her husband, Jeremy Martin. You can find out more about their uh, about her blog, Cully Curious, and um, about um, their upcoming book and all the rest by following links on our site, it's itsneworleans.com. Midnight Menu Plus One is produced by Grant Morris and Chris Keo is our technical director. And this fabulous audio quality that you hear is by PreSonus Audio Electronics. Makes all kinds of wonderful things. Visit preSonus.com for more information. You can get in touch with us here at Midnight Menu Plus One by going to our website. It's neworleans.com. And from there, you can follow us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, sign up for our mailing list, get all kinds of swag. Uh, and while you're at itsneworleans.com, you can listen to other episodes of Midnight Menu Plus One and other shows, Happy Hour, Mindset, True to the Game, Vietnola, Out to Lunch, and others. And if you listen to the show on iTunes, uh, please rate us and review us. It helps other people to find us. Midnight Menu Plus One is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. So we meet here again, I am Ray Kanata,
1: And I'm Margot Moss. Thanks.